Hey, good morning. Let's begin. We invite the uh, presence of the Lord to have his way with us this morning. Henry was saying this morning, he's like praying for a demonstration of, of the Lord and um, that the Lord would uh, be demonstrative uh, with us. And there's certainly nothing wrong with asking for him, himself to come not just in a uh, where we feel him, but where he demonstrates an outward view of who he is even in our midst. As you know, that we've been going through the 22 letters of Hebrew, and I just want to call attention to the fact that uh, as of this morning, we've moved into the 13th letter of the Hebrew, which is Mem. And Mem means, get this, or it carries the connotation of metamorphosis. I have no idea, no idea. The Holy Spirit speaking about this ministry is in the middle of a metamorphosis and that the letter Mim actually carries the connotation of metamorphosis. So there's a characterization shift. Also, listen, the number value of Mim is 40. And I said, Lord, I don't understand what all the numbers mean. He said, well... This last week, Tom and I was, they came and hooked up the power on the house and they put on the box, there's a 200 amp service. And um, we needed to plug in his place into the house and his place is running on a 30 amp service. And I said, oh, I was like, oh, I understand what you're saying. Well, you're saying that we're moving into a 40 amp service. <laughs> A 40 amperage of power that the mem is. Because, uh, you know how it says in, I think it's, I don't know if it's in Psalms or Proverbs, but it says when they began to take the land, it said you can't take it too quick, but you got to take it just a little bit at a time. Remember that? Less, something, it wouldn't be good for you to receive your inheritance too quickly. You remember these kind of passages? So when the Lord begins to increase the power which you will see an increase of power. He's increasing it incrementally so that we will come into now and it will be characterized now by a 40 amp service. So the word increases the power incrementally. Um, as you progress into the letters, once you hit 90, you'll hit 100. And then after 100 in the letters, it goes up by hundreds. And we're incrementally being increased by the Lord right now in tens. But see, we need to be faithful in little things because the Lord in little things will reward us. If we're faithful in little things, he'll reward us with more. And so we, in this, when we switch over to the 12th letter and now into the 13th, the Lord said, you know, the first 11 letters of Hebrew, they're mostly internal. But the next 11 letters are external. And so what Henry is praying from the Holy Spirit, that he would demonstrate his power in an external way, not just in an internal transformation of the human heart, but now begins the days. 
we will see we will see you Lord demonstrate yourself in power because he promised this to Israel and he did this for them and he would do this for us even out of this house even as we've read about the great revivals and the great awakenings that happened there was a group of people that would gather and they would worship the Lord and in the worship of the presence of the Lord the Lord would begin to move in power and where is promise he's like in John's ministry was a ministry of presence but Jesus is a man of power see the Lord move in this way to heal and to deliver and to restore a whole generation back to himself in a geographic area where a light would break forth out of even out of this room out of the midst of this city and begin to reverberate even when like a, a, a shock of light would begin to move all throughout the city and begin to change the very culture that's all around us Lord, we invite you, even as we look on the observation of you and we can't even fathom who you are, but we invite you to begin to show off that you would receive all the glory and all the honor that you're due. Psalms 29. also means king over the water and so ascribe to the Lord O sons of the mighty ascribe to the Lord glory and strength give to the Lord the glory due his name worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness in holy array the voice of the Lord is upon the waters the God of glory thunders the Lord is upon many of the great waters the voice of the Lord is powerful the voice of the Lord is full of majesty, and the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in the places of the cedars of Lebanon, and he makes them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Mount Hermon like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord splits and flashes forth forked lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the wilderness tremble. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the hinds bring forth their young, and his voice strips bare the forest while his temple, and everyone in the house of the Lord is saying, glory. May you say this with me, glory, 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 Lord, glory. The Lord sat as king over the deluge. The Lord still sits as king. And he is forever. The Lord this morning gives unyielding strength to you, his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace.
nothing higher. There's nothing higher. There's nothing higher. There's nothing higher. Oh, glory to your name. Oh, choose to come up here. Oh, glory to
with this God of love and every other option, every other religious act, Lord, I throw it down for you. And I raise my voice to the top of my lungs. I join the foolish in unknown tongues. And I lift my spirit and my soul from this world to you.
last week. We're up here worshiping. I didn't mention this, but all of a sudden, I mean, and I, I don't know if we have, if you have a framework for this, you may, but um, I'm invited into a council room in the heavens. And and I, you know, maybe in Hebrews 12, they call this a great cloud of witnesses. But it's, it's like this council room where the Lord is convening a council. And um, I was a little bit taken back by it. And uh, he said, to, he says to me, he says, there's room, there's room here for, uh, because of what I, well, ultimately because of the blood of Jesus, but, but where we stand actually in this ministry because the Lord sees what we're doing in the heavens. And there was an invitation for a, a seat in that council room. In the Hebrew, I think they call that the Sod of Yahweh. And um, so I, I completely forgot about that, really. And we get into this event this morning. And um, the, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to me about I struggle with this, but about, um, I, mean, I just hear this in the tongues and th things like this, but about Mount Hermon, which I think in Greek mythology it was called like Olympia, Olympia, Olympus. And, and I don't know if you know this, but in Matthew 17, Mount Hermon was a place where Jesus was transfigured. And uh, there's a work that's come out recently uh, called Reversing Hermon by uh, Michael uh, Hesser, I believe it is. Hi, how you say it? Heiser. So y'all are familiar with Reversing Hermon? Um, so <clears throat> what what I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna try to say what the Spirit of God's saying to me because I, I don't really fully understand it. But the, the enemy has been running psyop operations against uh, the people of God and the people in our land. And, and, and I'm sure that y'all can see this, but directly he is running an operation against, uh, a psychological operation against uh, the people of this land and these nations and, I, I, and I'm sure you can see this in the news and you can see what's going on um, but what, what he's telling me this morning is we we must go on the offensive today we can't take this in a defensive role uh, the church is church mostly because it, well I'll read it to you out of Second Peter 2 because it's what he gives me so many, so much of the church is in compromise and the leadership of the church is in compromise that in some sense they don't have a seat in a place where the true authority is. And I, and I, I hear this from the Lord. And this is, we have the authority here to actually conduct an operation to come against the works of darkness. And I'm not saying that other people don't have this authority. I just know the Lord's telling me we have this authority if we'll execute our authority. 
We have an authority actually that's in the, that's over this nation right here in Eden land. There's an authority here that if we unify in our authority together, we can begin to run counter operations against the enemy's work to literally destroy people's lives. We can run that out of this room right now. We don't listen with special forces, guys, you don't need a lot of people to do God's work. You don't need that. What you need is you need agreement that we're going to run a counter campaign this morning. And that this is what the Lord's putting on my heart. Like I want you to run an offensive counter campaign against the forces of darkness against the people of this land that's trying to run a psychological operation into their minds and fear them into making decisions that will actually could end their lives because the enemy is trying to kill off our population kill people and he said you can come against this because as we ascend like he did at the Mount Hermon you can reverse the strategy of the enemy against uh, my people you can ask me and I'll reverse the curse because we're here in Eden land where, where there was originally has been a curse on this land but we have been um, the Lord has been through us redeeming this land back to himself because in this end time even though there's been a reformation there will and is a restoration and while we can look at what the enemy is doing we can also combat the enemy and come against what he's doing and there's a necessity for us to do this because part of your maturity in Christ is to deploy tools against the enemy you the Lord did it so he came to do what to destroy what the works of the enemy well Christ in us the hope of glory that we come actually in partnership with him to destroy the works of the enemy as he's uh, been leveling attacks against people and it's going on you know fear and anger and problems is pervasive throughout our land well what if you and I were here this morning and the Lord is saying I've been looking for someone a group of people that can stand with me that has my authority to actually begin to execute a judgment against the enemy L listen to where the compromise in second Peter chapter 2 verse 1 but also in those days speaking I believe of these days there arose false prophets among the people and just as there were will be false teachers among yourselves who will subtly and stealthily introduce heretical doctrines or destructive heresies they'll even deny and disavow the master who brought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction and many will follow their immoral ways and well, you know what immorality is they have a path to immorality and lascivious doings what does that mean anybody out loud license what does that mean justification for whatever you want to do we have they we have something we call that right now it's called a hyper grace message it's a justification that the blood made a way for you to do whatever you want to do you don't it, it lets you skirt sin and just get away with it that's not what the blood was shed for was to just do whatever you want to do that, that wasn't what God meant so they'll lead people into immorality and into license do whatever you want to do the blood purchased it this the Lord says 
is destructive heresy. And because of them, the true way will be maligned and defamed. They'll defame the cross. And they'll turn people away out of the way and get them off the path to the Lord. And in their covetousness, because that's what motivates a lot of this, it's not contentment with godliness where there's great gain. It's not whether I'm abased or I abound, therefore I found the Lord to be content. It's in covetousness, it's the lust for greed that's sitting behind these ministries or this false teaching. They'll exploit you with cunning arguments. From of old, the sentence of condemnation for them has not been idle. Their destruction has not been asleep. For God did not even spare angels that sin. But he cast them into, and the proper translation of this is Tartarus. Delivering them to be kept there in the pits of gloom till the judgment and their doom. And if he didn't spare the ancient world, but he preserved Noah, so God always preserves a remnant. He always preserves a people that are his. So God has preserved Noah and his family, a preacher of righteousness, seven other persons, and he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And he condemned to ruin the extinction and the extinction extinction of the uh, cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He reduced them to ashes. And he set them forth as an example of what he will do to the ungodly. And he rescued Lot, greatly worn out and distressed by the wanton ways of the ungodly and the lawlessness. For that just man, it's amazing how God's word is concerning Lot, even though Lot had set his eyes on the things of this natural world. But he says, he calls him a just man. Living there among them, it tortured his righteous soul every day with what he saw and he heard of their unlawful and their wicked deeds. Now, if all these things would be true and sure, Peter says, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly out of temptations and trials and how to keep the ungodly, listen to this, under chastisement. Until the day of judgment and gloom, particularly those who walk after the flesh and indulge in the lust of the polluting passion and scorn and they despise authority. They're presumptuous, they're daring, they're self-willed, they're self-loving creatures they scoff at and even revile the glorious ones without trembling. Wherefore, as or whereas the angels, those superior in might and power, they didn't even bring a defaming charge against them before the Lord. 
These people have been unreasoning beasts, mere creatures of instinct, born only to be captured and destroyed. They're railing at things at which they're ignorant. They shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and they're destroying. They shall be surely destroyed. They'll be destined to receive the reward of their unrighteous suffering wrong for the hire of their wrongdoing. They counted a delight to revel in the daytime, to live luxuriously and delicately, their blots and blemishes reviling in their deceptions and carousing together as they feast with you. Highs full of harlotry, insatiable for sin, they beguile and bait and lure away unstable souls. Their hearts are trained in covetousness, lust, and greed. They are the children of the curse. They forsake the straight road. They have gone astray. They followed the way of Balaam. They love wickedness. The Lord's rebuked them for their transgression. He rebukes them with this dumb beast of burden, remember. And he spoke with human voice and checked the prophet's madness. The uttering wild beasts of folly, they beguile, they lure with lustful desires of the flesh, those who are very, barely escaping from them who are wrongdoers. They promise them liberty. And then they themselves are the slaves of depravity and defilement. For by whatever anyone is made inferior or worse or is overcome to that person, he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they become entangled in them and they're overcome. Listen, their last condition will be worse than the first. For them never to have obtained a full personal knowledge of the way of righteousness, it would have been better for them and having obtained such knowledge to turn back from the holy commandment which was delivered to them. There has befallen them the things spoken of the true proverb. The dog has turned back on his own vomit and the sow is washed only to wallow again in the mire. What is Peter saying a lot here? But listen, hear me out. Hear the Lord out. You see this corruption all around us. It's pervasive in the house of the Lord. It's everywhere. This corruption, this defilement is everywhere. The lack of the righteousness of the Lord in God's people. This is what, like, this is what is so important about this because this is a, juxtas, a juxtaposition. You know, I, I preached a few weeks ago. It took me seven weeks to get out of my mouth the message. I finished it in Starlink 7 concerning Balaam. It said that this kind of people follows Balaam, the son of Beor. But remember, Balaam's daddy, his name meant the burning one. Remember, Balaam was the one who had trance-level vision. Remember, Balaam could predict with the Lord the future and give revelation to Israel. 
Balaam had dreams that were in regards to Israel. Balaam had open visions. Balaam had closed visions. Balaam, in our day, would have been like one of the senior prophets in the land that was like so equipped more than anybody was in that day. He had a revelation of El Elyon, which is actually where this Mount Hermon that I'm speaking of comes from, the God Most High. And this is what shook me up. That in all of Balaam's prophetic oracle gift and everything, Balaam was bald. Could you imagine today? I don't know how many prophets we have in the land like that or of that kind of capacity. There's not many. We've only seen a few. I mean, we just had one pass before us in 2014, Bob, Bob Jones. He was, he was a level prophet like that. He's a mantle prophet. What I'm getting at is we're in a serious condition now like never before. It's not really what I'm getting at. It's the Lord. Because that kind of class or level of the prophetic unction of God, that kind of level of giftedness, if that level of giftedness can be bought and a whole people can be swept after that, what hope would there be for the remnant? Because people would say, that's the man of God. And yet, undergirding his very own nature was a desire for something that wasn't to give loyalty to the man, Jesus Christ, to the king. And, 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 and this is why I say all this, because I get kind of surprised from the Lord. We have something here. You know, when God testifies about you, it's real. But there's something here. There's something here that we've been tried and tested and been made to be true to our King. There's something here that allows what we ask for and intercede for that the Lord will listen to us. Because there's a people here that's not going to be bought. to him right now and he's not like you know they're not they got all this other secondary motivation you know God's been checking our motivation here they don't have all this secondary motivation when they come up to me and we talk to him and we commune with him we can ask him something and you and I can go on the offensive with him I want to do that this morning because he said do this with me and I don't know how but I want to go on the offense I don't want to be well if you have to be offensive then be offensive but but like he's paying attention to us right now he's paying attention to this room right now
check out of people. It says these other people in 2 Peter 2, they're given over to the destroyer. What if your heart no more is like that? What if everything's been taken out of it and you could actually be there with the Lord right now? We could begin to speak back to Him what He's speaking to us. Like right now, we could hear the word of the Lord come to us and shine down on us. We could say what He's saying. And you know, it would reverberate through our whole entire culture right now. And we could be in this room with the Lord in His presence and we could become a change agent for the Lord. Why have you been tested and tried and went through trials and tribulations? So that it would be the purifying of your faith. So there could be agreement on the earth as there is in the heavens right now. And there could be a unity here in this room. Why have I been through it? Why am I getting hit on every side? Why, Lord, because I'm getting you and posturing you as son, as daughter before me that whatever you say is what I'm saying whatever you're doing is what I'm doing you're just walking in me and I'm walking in you that the, that the, you would become one with me and that we could say like Jesus said in John 17 Father glorify me so that I may glorify you because what's going in and out of me is to glorify you Christ in me the hope of glory metamorphosis right now. This is the metamorphosis. What I see, I say. What he's doing is what I'm doing. Yeah, right now. What do you see, Jeremiah? What do you see, Zechariah? I mean, what does your eyes see right now? Listen, like, you got to do this. You don't have to do this, but do this with me. What do you see? Now begin to declare what you see. Even if it's like, you know, soft, or it could be loud, or it could be quiet. But start to declare in your mouth what you see him saying and doing. I declare. from us to ever behold your glory and turn back, God. Far be it from us, God. Far be it from us, God, to ever see your face and turn back. Far be it from us, God. Jesus. To put you back on the cross again, Jesus. 
Far be it from us, Jesus, to turn around when we beheld your glory. Jesus. Far be it from us, God. and how we're talking about this, a friend that I've walked with for years, a couple in a Bible study we were with for years, just turned back away from the Lord, and it's the most unbecoming thing. Lord, we pray that you restore, God, those who've been deceived, Lord, restore them, God, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, God. Mercy, Lord. Mercy, God. Or be it, God, from us.
Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people. Prepare your provisions, for within three days you shall pass over the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. Right now is the time to begin the inheritance.
Psalms chapter 2. Why do the nations assemble with commotion? Why do the people imagine an empty scheme? The kings of the earth take their places. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed one, the Messiah. And they say, let us break the bands asunder and cast their cords from us. He that sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord has held them in derision. And he has supreme contempt on them. He speaks to them in his deep anger and troubles. He terrifies and confounds them in his displeasure and fury, saying, Oh, hear the word of the Lord. Yet have I anointed and installed my king on my holy hill Zion. your inheritance. I agree with you. 
skies for amber waves of grain for purple mountain majesties above the enamel plain America America God shed his grace on thee till souls wax fair as earth and air and music hearted sea oh great for pilgrim feet whose stern and passion stress Oh, thoroughfare for freedom and feet across the wilderness, America, America. God shed his grace on thee till past be wrought through wilds of thought by pilgrim foot and knee. Oh, great for glory tell of a liberating strife when once or twice for man's avail men lavish precious life. America, America. God shed his grace on thee till selfish gain no longer stain the banner of the free and old crate for patriot dream that sees beyond the years thine alabaster cities gleam undimmed by human tears America America God shed his grace on thee till nobler men keep once again <laughs> I didn't know this word the wider jubilee it's a new day America I'm telling you this land the great restoration is upon us receive it America oh Lord bring your sovereign right down on this land and cause it to rise again 
Wow, it's amazing. We didn't expect that. A couple of years ago, well, it's been it's been a long it's been a long season of this, but well, man, it's a big story. What we're involved with here. Nineteen eighty-two, you know prophetic voice comes to Kurt Bennett I meet Kurt Bennett some years later in like 09 he says Jerry this prophetic guy says the word says I'm going to set my foot my feet down in Asheville North Carolina I'm going to set up my footstool there and why, why would God set a footstool in a particular city in a particular nation and he is telling our prophetic teams our my interns at the very beginning of MZ how I'm gonna set my government up in Asheville, and I've said that many times, and there's a lot to this story, but he said it'll begin through the Biltmore properties. And you know, and when we got in here and then found out, you know, George Vanderbilt, you know, built this place for the African-American workers in uh, the late 1800s, and then they purchased it back from them, from him. I go to do some filming over and it was a whole setup by the Lord a whole filming over there at Vanderbilt's hunting cabin that's in the ramble and it was sort of taken off by that and I was like man you really are doing something and he, then I find out that Asheville was originally called Eden land and, words, I, and then I find out this typology in the kings of uh, the northern and the southern kingdom that every time a kingdom, the north and southern kingdom, in both instances, when it was lost, it was lost through a garden. And the Lord said, I'll restore the nation through a garden. I'm gonna restore this nation through Eden land. 
He's like, we've been in a reformation from Luther's time, but now we'll begin a restoration. And you know, he says, now turn east because we've been going west. And we're known as the west, but to really know God, you got to turn east right into the face of God. So he wants to restore image, not just likeness. The reformation was to restore likeness, but the restoration is to restore image. But he said, I got to pin this thing down into a geographic center within this nation. And little by little, he told me as I was standing on the shower at the YMI, excuse me, the YMCA a few years ago, right outside where the sauna is to get wet down before I jumped into the pool to swim. And I'm standing there. And man, it's like, you know how the Lord will speak to you in like five seconds, but it means like 15 paragraphs or like you can write a white paper on it. And all of a sudden I'm sort of said, he said, I'm wanting to give the inheritance. I'm wanting to give the inheritance of this nation to this ministry. And I, and I, and I said, my goodness, Lord, you've been telling me this for years, but he said, but I'll tell you something. And it was sort of strict. And this is a little bit different view on eschatology because I kind of have a little bit of an ah-meal, post-meal, and pre-meal view, like put all together. Um, so if you know what I mean by ah-meal, pre-meal, and post-meal, I've, I've got like, I like all three of them. You know, I'm not sort of like a post-meal, which is sort of what I'm talking about right now. I'm, I, I, like the, I like the transition of the age of the Lord working something out in us to transition the governments of this world over to the Lord and his, his people. The kingdom of, will belong to the Lord and his Christ and we shall reign, right? So I, I like some post-meal thought. I like all-meal because there's a daily relating with the Lord and a transformation internally. I like pre-meal because I believe in a literal thousand-year reign of the Lord. A literal thousand-year reign. I believe it's the 7,000 year. And I believe we're right here because when, when this ministry was initiated by the Lord, he said, build a transitional ministry for me. I was like, what do you mean? He's, he said, ministry as in to government. Ministry, you know, like in England, they call it the ministry of whatever or the ministry of this. He's like, this ministry is a transitional government ministry because I'm going to transition the government over my people. Years ago, oh, not, I'm going to send a crown reaper. That was 2011, 2009. I got it, but 2011, I'll send a crown reaper. I, he called it the crown reaper. I didn't know exactly what he meant, but then when crown virus came out, coronavirus, which means crown virus, I said, oh, he's sending the crown virus because a monarch's coming back. He's exposing, he's exposing the heart of man. He's exposing everybody, liberal or illegal. And there's gonna be this devotion to a king, to the king. And, it, and, and it, we're in this we're in this transition. It's, what we're praying for this morning is because people are getting bought off, you know, all over the place. But anyways, back, I'm back at the shower and the Lord's like, it's all this is running through my head and a lot more. I'm like, he said, bud, I'll tell you something. And this is a post-mill eschatology. While it might be yours by right, you have to go and take it yourself. I said, like, the Lord, the whole nation? He's like, yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I'm that kind of father. So while you might have the keys to the, uh, or you might have the car, the, you know, do you've all, y'all have heard this illustration before? 
daddy's laid you in a Ferrari or Porsche or whatever or a, a good old truck or whatever it is until he hands you the keys that thing's not moving he's like I'm not giving up the I'm not giving that up until you do your part now go up in the whole nation <laughs> we might have put this one on private <laughs> I was like Oh, you're saying this is a very subversive ministry. It's extremely subversive. I was like, how are you gonna do how are we gonna do that? Well, you don't know how to do that. But if you'll follow me, I'll take the church, a remnant people, and I'll flip this whole entire nation on its head. But you're gonna see a war. And you're gonna be right in the middle of it because you're gonna be calling down the war. You're partner with angels against the principalities of your nation. Like today, like he says, you know, it begins. The mem, the 13th letter, means king over the water. The metamorphosis is upon us. His nation must transition. I'd never read that poem before America. I didn't know that last line about dressed in, or being in white. I didn't know that. And this morning he said, you see what I'm saying to you? I was like, oh yeah. Folks, like I know what I'm saying can seem like so far-fetched. For me, it's been so far-fetched for so many years. 12 years, I have at least probably 500 encounters with the Lord about this. Personal, objective-proof encounters. The Lord's going to overthrow every single nation in the world. But He's going to use us to do it. And I'm like ready to get into the fight, right? But God fights on a different, he fights, the Lord fights on different terms. I don't have to raise up arms. Remember when Jehoshaphat said Chronicles chapter 20, remember how he fight, fought? What did he do? Sent out the singers. They worshiped the Lord. The man got down on his knees. He laid it out before the Lord like Hezekiah. Hezekiah laid it out. Jehoshaphat. Josiah, bring forth the book of the Lord. You know, these great kings. David, night and day, worship and intercession. Folks, we're sitting on a hot spot right here. I declare to you that the government of the United States will be in Asheville, North Carolina, in the millennial reign. I've never come out, I don't think, publicly and said that. But your Washington, D.C. Is, is an altar of Bethel, and your New York City is an altar of Dan. The Lord will declare and build a place of worship that will acknowledge Him for who He really is. And He will raise up a remnant family, and He will give. He will give to those who are faithful to Him, His kingdom, coming in the millennial reign. Why are we in the point of no return? Because God's checking the hearts of men. Like, when I take away things from you, will you stay the course? If everything comes against you, will you keep your eyes fixed on me? The Lord doesn't, the Lord doesn't train like that false gospel thing. <laughs> you take Job, for instance, if you want to hear the training of the Lord. I mean, you consider my servant Job? That don't sound like a health and wealth message. I mean, I mean, in the way that it's been done, the false message. The Lord gives him his health back. The Lord doubly blesses him. The Lord puts him through the fire. And the so shall you go through the fire. Hey, let's not play around. Have you not been tried? 
Have you not felt forlorn before and felt left out? Have you not felt like a victim? Have you not been in a void? Have you, has this not happened to you? Have you not been told by the Lord to go do things that seem absolutely absurd and ridiculous? You must believe that he is and he's a rewarder. God wants to reward. Listen, there, there's seven churches. And to him that overcome, what? There's so many different things, right? To him that overcomes. The Lord wants to reward through us his inheritance. And he has an inheritance for you. Don't, don't do what Esau did and squandered his inheritance. Some of us, if you've been raised in broken families, some, some have been raised in very high governmental homes where sin is, sin is very, like, sin is exalted in a sense that this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. And if you're raised under a harsh, a harsh dad, you can view God that way. Now, is God big on sin? Yeah, he sent his son to die on the cross because of sin. Some people were raised in reward theory. They, they got all the things given to them. A low view of sin. God's house is, it's not a theory. It's called penal substitutionary atonement. He comes in into your stead. And he gives you his righteousness and his reward. Don't spurn the reward of the Lord. Because I don't need that. I like rewards. The greatest reward in the human heart is to have him. There's no greater reward than him himself. Nothing. But I tell you, I've learned something from my father that he likes to reward his children. Even in the natural dimension of life. He does. He wants to take care of you. But man, what's happening right here this morning is more than what we can comprehend probably. How could it be? And this little, why am I? And God could be preparing something in us. You kept going to the place of exposure. You kept going to the place of exposure. And you think, what good is that? Because you're buying gold. You're purchasing silver. You're purchasing precious stones. And when the fire of God comes at the judgment seat of Christ, which is coming, say everybody's life, we're going to be reviewed. Say, look at them, the wood, hay, and stubble. But look at that. They said yes to me. Silver, gold, precious stones. Don't, don't, don't right now, more than ever, more than ever, don't spurn your inheritance. Don't throw it off. Don't get your eyes on the way of this world. Get your eyes set on the man Jesus. There's more at stake than you can even imagine in your mind. Because the Bible says that. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. It hasn't even entered into the thought of our mind. What God's prepared for those who love him and called according to his purpose. Like get into the purpose of the Lord. I'm telling you, this will happen. I, I know this from the Lord. You're going to watch this whole nation get turned upside down. You know, they talked about Paul and it's, who are these guys that turn cities upside down?
And they come in, man, boom, the whole city's turned upside down. Why? Well, I mean, there's such meekness in them and so godly, so went through the exposure, so love him. He had to turn a whole city upside down. This morning, the Lord, I declare to you, I declare this nation is mine. Come on, you know. I mean, he's worthy. But he's making us ready. You're being made ready. Every decision that you make, whether privately or publicly, is being reviewed. You're under review right now. You're in an internship. Every time you lose your life for his sake in the gospel is one step forward in inheritance. The inheritance is this relationship with the Father. You connect with the Father, and you and the Father become one. Glory starts to operate in your life. This glory that begins to manifest itself out of Him begins to transform our whole entire culture. It seems so odd that God would set up His kingdom that way, but that's the way He works, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The more, the more the monarch has complete allegiance from you, the more power he exhibits through your life. This is how he works. Years ago when I, when I began, I said, uh, I don't understand. He said this to me. The Holy Spirit said this to me. Sovereignty rests in the individual at the point the individual rests in the sovereign. Let me say this again. Sovereignty rests in the individual at the point the individual rests in the sovereign. The more your soul enters into the rest of his sovereignty, the more sovereignty he has through you. A king is called a what? A sovereign. The more the sovereign has his complete way to you, the more you're not hedging and trying to move and trying to work an angle, the more you rest in him. I mean, everything's coming against you and you're like, The Lord said to my Lord, sit until your enemies are made a footstool. (laughs) You're resting in God's goodness. This health issue is hitting us in our nation right now. This financial issue is hitting us in our nation right now. We're in more debt than we've ever been in. Really, I mean, if the debts were called right now, this nation the dollar would completely inflate and be devalued. It's coming to, I don't want this to happen in some way. My heart said no, but it's coming. It's going to happen. I think everybody knows it. I, I, I know this from the Lord, not because of what the pundits say and the news says and whatever says is because it's written in the scripture. It's actually written in the book of Obadiah. Obadiah is an end time prophecy concerning the United States of America. The great eagle will be brought down because of the pride and the exalting before the Lord. But if you watch in Obadiah, there's this restoration at the very end of the 21 verses. There's this amazing restoration that happens. The Edomite is taken out of the land. The Esau-like nature is taken out of the land. And Jacob and Joseph begin to inherit the land. I don't know what is significant about today. But today, 
today, somehow, some way, today, we begin. That Jesus will have his inheritance in this nation. Today, something has happened with us. I don't know. I, I can't figure it out. I don't always understand what's going on. But today, there's a declaration out of the heavens, even out of Psalms 2, the same thing. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing in Australia right now. And I can't speak for any other nation. I can speak right now from what he says now. Today, start something. Something that will begin to basically flip this nation on its head today. There's some kind of installation that I try to say there's an installation. It says, and you know, last week, plus negative, plus plus this week, plus negative. John's ministry declaring the presence of the Lord. Behold, that's him. Here he comes. But John's not Jesus. When the installation of the king, when he's installed on the human heart, he's installed. You see what I mean? He's installed on the human heart in that installation. Everything, everything has to bow his knee to the sovereignty of God. On January the 6th, you know what happens at the Capitol building, right? Anybody watch the news? January 6th. Don't worry, I wasn't there. Let me say this. In 2011, the Holy Spirit comes to me. He says, when you see the shakedown happen in your Capitol building, you'll know you're taking ground in Asheville. And I was like, we were over at the fire department, and I was like, advance! You know, I was like, let's go now. Like, why hold back? And man, we left here in 2012, and I think I had my tail between my legs, and I got myself whooped really good. Uh, it was tough on many of us that were in that 2012 advance into downtown. And some of you were there. I know, Daisy, it was, whew. I mean, man, we got railroad. That thing was just hitting us from every corner. And I learned something that, that, that Peter's nature has to be sifted. <laughs> because while we might be willing to step out on the water, we might have too much of ourselves in it. And the Lord will do a sifting. Because it's got to be for him. And we made another advance, I think, in 2017 or 2018. We made another advance. And the word's like, I've got to deal with this nation on a national level and an international level. And then I'm going to, you're going to go in and begin to occupy ground. And that's where we're at now. And so, I, you know, today's a very important day. You know, and so I give a little reference points uh, for the past. Um, please, 
like, and I want to say this too, uh, I'm in the middle of like a strategy with the Lord right now on how he is going to do this. And it is, I've been walking with him, like I guess like Enoch or Adam walked with him and hanging out with the father it's very interesting, the strategic planning of the Father concerning how he's going to uh, do this. And um, I know many of you in here are prepared and ready. You've been made ready by the Father. And many will join. The Lord is going to uh, basically show off that his glory is supreme to an entire nation. He is. He's going to show off. He's going to heal a bunch of people and save a bunch of people all at one time. And it's going to get media attention in a big way because, because he's just been looking for a people that are like completely his. But when he gets a people that are completely his and they, they can't be bought like Balaam, no matter what the level of giftedness is, and they're just completely his, He's going to show his glory. He'll demonstrate it like he did in the Exodus. And it, it's going to be, Henry's praying for this this morning. I heard your heart, Henry. The Lord's going to demonstrate his glory through this end time church. And it's going to be one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen in your life. I mean, the crown reaper is just the warm up. I mean, you haven't seen anything yet about what's coming. When the Lord takes the scroll out of Revelation 5, it's on. Just, just prepare your heart. We're going to be in the middle of this, and the Lord's going to send out his reaper. Now, he's going to reap and gather a harvest, and it's going to be seen in all the media outlets and everything. They're going to see our king as sovereign ruler. And many of them are going to reject it and say, rocks fall on our head. We will not submit to that man. They're doing it now already with this thing that's going on in our nation right now. It's already, but it's going to get more intense. And we're in the middle of it, and we're going to go right through the middle of this and watch the whole thing flip all around us. And the Lord's going to hit the eastern sky and return. He's going to rapture a church and come back for a second coming processional. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, let's take an offering. Thank you, Lord, this morning for this moment in time in history. Lord, raise up your remnant all throughout the land. Put all the connections together, Lord. Do it in your own way, Lord. We are completely loyal to you. Test our heart. Do whatever you have to do, Lord. Maintain the course all the way to the end, Lord. Thank you for this end time demonstration of your glory. Now I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. In our hearts, a preparation for you, for the bridegroom. I pray that we would be dressed in white, clothed in white, and ready. Ready and willing to engage in the fight, Lord. Ready, ready, Lord. Not to raise up arms, Lord, in that way. But just like it said... In America, Lord, that even on our knees and even in our private places, Lord, that when we call upon your name, Lord, that 
you, that you hear us and you see us, Lord, and we pray. And thank you this morning, Lord, for this nation, for the restoration of all things, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Bless you as you give. Uh, let's turn to this morning to John chapter uh, 17. Uh, recently, I was, um, I need to go get the oil changed in uh, our vehicle at, I went to Brian Eastward Toyota over in Hendersonville. And I went in, pulled my car in, you know, to go to change the change the oil and I go to sit down and they have a lounge there and I go sit down at the lounge and when I sit down sitting beside me two pamphlets uh, that this gentleman over in uh, Hendersonville I believe had written and it was just really remarkable because I, I was surprised that I believe on the front of one of them was Hebrews and the other one was uh, John 17. And so I opened up the pamphlet to read it on the Hebrews, and it's, it's all about faith. And he was talking about 
actually moves of God that had happened over in this area and around this area, and how God had begun to move in certain people's hearts, and they were just stepping out in faith and trusting what the Lord had, had told them to do. You know, this is, you know, 50, 60 years ago. And in, in one of the stories, I, I believe it was a pastor or something, he had went into town here locally and had felt impressed of the Lord to just uh, pray for the sick or something of that fact. And I can't exactly remember the story, but in short, the town like raises up against him for what he's doing. And instead of coming back at them, he has this boldness that's in him. And he just says, no, I'm going to stand my ground. Uh, because there was like an entrance religious thing going on with people. And he, he, in the story of one of the books, he just, uh, of the book on Hebrews, he just really stands his ground in faith and trusts the Lord. And the Lord really brings like this whole like mini revival in a, a town not too far from here. And it really, like, impressed upon my soul. And, and, you know, I read this out of Joshua 1, 9 this morning. And y'all have heard that said many times. But when Israel was going in to take the land and Joshua was at the forefront, he, he said, be strong and have good courage. Be strong or be strengthened with might in the inner man. Uh, you could feel it this morning in the worship. Sometimes when it... It dives down and we're hitting sort of a low point. You start to question maybe what's going on with you. You might question what's going on with people. You know, I wonder if they're okay on the stage. I mean, that happens sometimes. People think that. I don't know if I'm okay. You can get your attention on other people. That kind of thing happens. But if you just stay there with the Lord, you, when you're going down in this deep place, what you find is what the Lord's looking for there is to get this might that uh, Paul talked about in the inner man, a strength. And, um, and it, that's what he's talking about uh, in, to Joshua, and that's what was being said in this book on Hebrews, that this strength or this resolve would come into you. It's a resolution where you make up your mind when you're looking at decision-making and you're thinking, you know, if I advance into what the Lord's telling me to do by faith, and I trust him. I, I just don't know. You, you start to measure it, and you look at it, and you think about it, and you just analyze it. Anybody else done that? The Lord told me to advance out on this, but I see limitation, and I see an end. I don't see like there's a way that this could come off based on what I see, right? Joshua's dealing with that, and this man in the story's dealing with that. He's He's come up to his own limitation. He's hit a place where, as far as I can analyze or look at, even intellectually or emotionally or experientially, I've hit a wall. And when the Lord is saying this to Joshua, and when we hit those places like that in our life, he's saying, be strong, be strengthened, take courage, believe what the word of the Lord is. The Lord, though. I'm measuring. I'm looking at what I can do. There's nothing there that tells me I can get through this. In Psalms 119, verse 96, it says, I have seen that everything human 
has its limits. I have seen with my own eyes, I've observed this, I have watched this, and I have peered into life, and I have begun to see that everything that is human has its limits. Now, I mean, I've quickly taken into evil Knievel, you know. That guy was pushing limitations, right? He was saying there's a limit beyond the limit that I thought, that we think that there is. Um, I'm mindful of a lot of different breakthroughs in science. Uh, Marie Curie. Uh, Benjamin Franklin. I'm sure many different scientific fields come to you. It's people come up against a limit or a stop. I've seen that everything human has its limits, though. What is it? 8.2 meters per second squared? What is that? Anybody know what that number is for? I think that's gravity. There's a limitation on gravity. There's limitations or laws that are set in the natural order. Mathematicians look at this. Scientists look at this. They see that there's these certain laws, and they discover them, and they look at them. And, um, you know, we're out in, like, hawking radiation. I don't know if y'all know about that. but And gravitational waves out in black holes. And there's limitations, but we're still on the forefront of pushing through limitation, trying to find and discover something. But what the psalmist says here is, very fascinating because he says, everything has a limit and an end. Everything human, that is. It doesn't matter, and this is Amplified Classic, it doesn't matter even how extensive the limit is that you've run, that it's going to come to a place where there's a limitation. It doesn't matter how noble it is, and what came to my mind when I was reading this is like the Nobel Peace Prizes. We hand out Nobel Prizes for peace. We hand out other Nobel Prizes for breakthroughs in science and, and, and different fields, right? Or excellence. That if I pursue excellence in my field, and some of us have done that. Some people go and they get like five PhDs or five MDs or five DDs or whatever. I mean, they push the... No matter how excellent it is, if I had 27 PhDs, I mean, you might could get 666 PhDs. Actually, I think there are. I found 656 scientific fields that you might could go and earn you a, some kind of PhD in, even theoretical breakthrough, groundbreaking. But even as excellent as that is, it's still human. It still has a limitation. This psalmist is saying in 119, and I, and I believe that when we're called to faith with the Lord, no matter how extensive, no matter how noble, and no matter how excellent you may get in your particular field or a particular aspect or whatever, there is a limitation in your humanness. But listen to the psalmist, what he says, and this... I believe this is one of the most groundbreaking verses. I mean, I come up on this verse at the end of the last Hebrew letter and I've become convinced of this. Listen to what he says. But your commandment is exceedingly broad. 
and extends without limits into eternity. What are you doing, Carol? What are you talking about? Well, I've been talking over the last few weeks, especially after this whole thing of, hey, dress in white and all that. I've been talking about a little bit because the Lord's bringing this revelation to me about John the Baptist and Jesus' ministry. And I've been saying that John, John is saying, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. He's saying behold because he's looking at him from a distance. Hey, there he is over there, right? And he's measuring some kind of distance between him and, and the Lord because he's saying behold. Hey, look, there's Jesus. He's the one who takes away the sins of the world. John's a friend of the bridegroom. But Jesus is the bridegroom. John says, and I believe it's in John 3.30, it's recorded. John said, he must increase, right? I must what? John's ministry is plus negative. Any of you have any time in quantum physics? Anybody in here? Any kind of... I'm not saying I'm not representing the quantum realm up here. I like that I know all about it, but I did learn a little bit about electrons spinning. And uh, they did this experiment years ago, and it's called... Basically, I'm going to try to explain something that I don't fully understand, but I'm going to just try to do my best. If you look at electron one, say, so to speak, and there's electron two, if you look at electron one with, and you see it, electron two will, if I understand this right, will not spin. Electron one, while you look at it, it will freeze in position. If somehow you can look away from it, you can cause electron two to spin, and you'll have two of them spinning. And they found out it doesn't matter what the distance is between the two. And I believe it's called particle wave duality. But what happens when you look at it is you freeze it into position. Solomon said this about money. He says, and maybe y'all have experienced this too. We have in our family. It says if you look at money or the gold or whatever, it takes like wings and flies away. <laughs> Abraham experienced, and I've referenced this quite a bit in Romans chapter 4, verse 18. He said he hoped against hope. And when you look at the Greek on the words hope there, one hope has its direct object in God. The other hope has its direct object in Sarah's womb. What does that mean? How, how do you put this together? One, the object or the plus the, is looking at, well, he's thinking every day, God gave me a promise by faith that if I believe him, Sarah would become impregnated. Sarah is barren. And it takes 25 years for Abram to get his eyes to look at another direct object, God, and when he does, he goes from plus negative to plus plus. You understand? 
Both the electrons begin to spin, and what happens? She gets a miracle. A fixation, a fascination with the Father is the path. That's why it's so important. I said this months ago, but that you get a revelation of being the beloved son. You get a revelation of what it means to be beloved. Because when you get into beloved, you get into plus plus. Because you're wrapped up in him and he's in you and you're in him and he's in you. And the glory starts to move. The moment you take your eyes off of him, plus negative. He must increase. Okay, we actually acknowledge that. The world's like negative, negative. <laughs> you know. He's negative and I'm negative. You know. The church has been plus negative. Let's get into the present so we can get into, maybe we can finally get into a plus plus because we've been in a plus negative. The Lord's been allowing circumstances to come in your life to test you. Why? Not because God's mean. The trials of your faith have been, what they've been doing for you is to get you into a plus plus. What the Lord's been doing with you, with what you've been going through, and this is what this crown reaper's for too, is to get you into plus plus. He's trying to get you off of your limitation. He's wanting you to get out of no matter how excellent you are, no matter how noble you are, no matter how extensive you run the course of your ability, he wants to get you out of that and get your eyes fixed on him. Have you noticed that? It doesn't necessarily matter how smart you are or how dumb you are. I'm not saying anybody in here is dumb, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, when Andrew came to me the other night, he said, Sadie, she called me dumb. She obviously saw her heart broken, man. I said, well, she shouldn't do that. You know, we, Matthew 5 tells you not to make insults and stuff. Well, yeah, she shouldn't do that, but let's, let's go to Jeremiah 9, son. We go to Jeremiah 9, and it says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. I said, or the smart guy glory in being smart. I said, so does it matter if you're smart or dumb? I guess not. And he said, let not the strong man glory in his strength. I said, does it matter how strong you are, son, or how weak you are? Because he's been called weak, too. <laughs> he said, I guess not. He said, let not the rich man glory in his riches. I said, does it matter really how much money you have or don't have? He said, I guess not. And I said, what does it say? And it says, let him that glorieth glorieth in this, that he knows me. And he talks about his character, that he's faithful and loving. And Leander like smiles at me. He said, something to the effect, I know him. I said, then you're set, son. Don't worry about your strength or no strength, your money or no money. Don't worry about your your intellect, whether it's strong or not. It doesn't matter because the, that has even an extent. No matter how extensive you run that, no matter how noble you are, I don't, no matter how much pomp and circumstance you have, or you're just a regular guy running whatever, it doesn't matter. He says that that's what he's saying. No matter how extensive, noble, and excellent you are. Now, should we be excellent, Lord willing? Should we go for nobility? Yes. Extensive? Yes. But let it be a byproduct, not a prime product of your pursuit. The Lord be your pursuit. 
Let the Father be your pursuit. Let this love relationship with the Father be your longing. You ever heard anybody say, I can run, I can work circles around them. <laughs> that used to be a prideful thing in my family. I'll work a circle around you. Kara said, go ahead. <laughs> she uh, took me down a few notches real fast. I don't care. I'll sit here. You can work all the circles around me you want. <laughs> I don't want to do anything right now. <laughs> you know, go ahead. That older brother, young, you know, that didn't work in my, my family. That don't work. <laughs> it's just like. I don't care. Go ahead. Run all the circles you want. <laughs> I don't care how extensive, noble, or excellent you are. <laughs> Her name means to be beloved nobly. So love is everything for Kara. And on a noble level. <laughs> Your commandment is exceedingly broad. We had this happen in our family this week. The difference between a suggestion and a commandment and the kids asking why. Well, because I told you to. Anybody else had this happen? Have you been raised? Because I said to. That's why. Don't ask me why. And uh, Tom, Tom gave a good example of this about raising his boys. And he, his two boys, he's telling his boys, <clears throat> he'd stand them up like at attention and say, stand up. Stand up. Sit down. Sit down. Stand up. Sit down. Daddy, what are you doing this? Because I said to do it. Do it. Stand up. Sit down. He said one day his son runs out and he says, stop, Tash. And he nicknamed him Tash. His name's Tom, right? Stop, Tash. He said, Tash like spins on his wheel and a car goes flying right by him. He had been dead. You know, in our culture today, commandments, people don't like to hear anybody give them a command. They don't like anybody tell them what to do. I do what I want to do. I mean, I'm military, I'm military, so command is like, it's not a suggestion. But I tell you, when the Lord, when you get to know the Father, when he gives you a command, and I've seen this with God's people. I've done it myself. Unfortunately, I had to deal with this recently with this thing dressing in white, given a command by the Father, think it's a suggestion, ask a bunch of questions. Why? Don't really understand why he's saying that. It doesn't matter. The command of the Lord is exceedingly broad. When the Lord tells you in your relationship with you, do this. Listen now. Do it. Why? Why? Because God's mean. Because one of the first emotions that I think you might find sometimes when you're given a command is, and I, I shared this with the kids yesterday in our devotions. When I was in second grade, I had this teacher. Her name was Mrs. Love. She, uh, she taught over uh, at Hendersonville, Edneyville Elementary School, the home of the Yellow Jackets. She, I, anyways, the home of Yellow Jackets. And Mrs. Love, I had a crush on her. And I thought she was kind of good looking. And she was sort of dolled up and stuff, you know, fingernails and everything and dressed real pretty and stuff. And Mrs. Love seemed to like me a lot, too. Not like that, you know. 
But she, I felt that she, she kind of liked me and stuff. And one day I remember going up to her and she taught me about how to push your cuticles back. I never forgot that. I tell my kids, push your cuticles back. And uh, she put some clear fingernail polish on one of my cuticles because I bit it. And she's like, you know, you got to take care of your fingers, Carol, little Carol. You know, they called me little Carol. You got to take care of your fingers, little Carol. And I said, and I mean even to this day, I try my hands, I try, I don't, anything on them. Push my cuticles back. It's secondary nature. And I want my fingernails to be just right. I don't know. And I, you got to be clipped at a certain rate and all this stuff. It really matters. I don't know why. I was second grade impressed. One day, though, Mrs. Love had the audacity to tell little Carol to go and demonstrate a math problem on the chalkboard. Little Carol, Carol, get up and demonstrate a, this math problem on the board. You know what I did? I sat in my seat. I said, I, I don't want to do it. Because <laughs> I thought Mrs. Love's love for me was going to let me get off the hook. And you know what Miss Love did? I told you to get up and go do that math problem. And man, I remember, I can still remember walking that chalkboard and my... Oh, my heart hurts so bad. I, she doesn't love me. She don't care about me. I'm just nothing to her. Went back to my seat. Miss Love can see all that. Cause she, and Miss Love, she comes to me and sort of said, Now, Carol, you know I like you a lot. But when I ask you to do something, or when I tell you to do something, you do what I tell you. Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm sorry. Because I wanted her affection back, to be honest with you. Well, she never had lost her affection. See, God's commandment might feel at times like it's a loss of affection. But any time the Lord tells you to do something, it's the greatest affection he could ever have for you. He's given you a command because he's, listen now, he's trying to take you into a place outside of your limitation. He wants to take you into a plus-plus relationship with him, not a plus-negative. He's wanting you to pick up something that you couldn't even fathom or think about before. You'd hit a wall, honestly. Anybody know what I mean when you hit a wall? Does that just happen to me? But you run up against a stop in yourself and you know that you were meant for more and you were meant to break into something, but you keep running up against something and you're just not crossing the barrier. The barrier's up against you. Why? Because you've hit a place of limitation. You've done all you can do. You've tried everything you can. You've been, and, you, and you don't know what to do. And the Lord comes to you and he says, this is what I want you to do. And when you look at it, you say, that's impossible. Or I don't want to do that. Or I can't understand that. Now, why would you ask me to do such a thing as that? And maybe your heart feels a little bit wounded sometimes when you feel the love you think. The love's being removed because a direct command came to you. Listen, folks. Um, I've seen everything human. The psalmist is saying, I've seen a lot. And I, I know some of you... You get down the road a little bit and you begin to see some stuff, right? 
I've seen a lot, and I'll tell you something. He said, I've seen this. I've seen that everything human has its limits, but your commandment is exceedingly broad, and it extends without limits into eternity. Back to John 17, and I'll close in this. There I was sitting at Brian Eastward Toyota, and I look at the Hebrews book, and end another book sitting beside me, and guess what it's on? John 17. This same writer had wrote another pamphlet on this book, and I, saw, I started to connect something together actually this morning. John 17 was connected to this relationship of trust with his father. Jesus was connected in John 17 with his father, and he, he said, he said, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the time has come. Glorify and exalt and magnify your son. Well, that sounds a little bit different than what John the Baptist was saying. John the Baptist was saying, he must increase, I must decrease. But Jesus is saying something different. Listen, you got to hear me on this because I think this is, the, this is revolutionary. John's pointing at a light. Jesus is the light. Paul will talk about Christ in us, the hope of what? The vernacular's got to change, folks. The metamorphosis is upon us because of why? He says, glorify me. I can't, I can't say that. Say it, actually. Bring glory in my life. Now, I'm talking to you and to me. You know, every preacher has preached to themselves because it, unless it's fake or unless they're parroting someone else's message or they're not a voice, but they're an echo. But if you're a real preacher, you, you, you preach because it's something that you deeply have to know or you're going to know. Not only say what I'm experiencing in my life right now, glorify and exalt and honor and magnify your son. The son that's inside of you. Why am I? I am has sent you. <laughs> right? You can't do this plus negative anymore. It's going to take plus plus. I don't know to what extent God calls for the decrease in us, but there is some extent that you finally like wake up and say, Father, glorify and exalt yourself through my life. So that your son may glorify and extol and honor and magnify you. It's, it's kind of like this. I behold the Father, and then the Father through me beholds himself, and then through me he beholds himself back to himself. But there's no inhibition anymore. There's no, like, sticking point. And then the glory begins to move. Let's all stand together. Just as you've granted him power and authority, over all flesh, now glorify him.
so that he may give eternal life to all that you have given him. Glorify your life in me, Lord. Glorify in me. Now, you can't do this if you're looking at you because if you look at you, you won't have him. You've got to look at him. Then in looking at him, he has himself in you looking out of you. Then you begin to see that he's without limitation. And now you can begin to pick up uh, the new tools, the tools of light. Not the tools that we've used in the past, but the new toolkit, the tools of light. The tools that are eternal and indestructible, a technology, not cell phone screens that crack. No, an indestructible life, an eternal life, a life of light. Light, you begin to hold light and begin to exude light, and light begins to come out of you. Hold, I set you on a hill as a city that cannot be his. Lord, magnify your life in me so that I may magnify your life back to you. I don't want any more inhibition, I don't want any more like sticking point. I just want the glory of the Lord to shine forth. Want this eternal life in me. I'm tired of looking at me and what I can do. It has its limitation. They don't care how smart you are, how rich you are, how strong you are. They don't care what your mom and daddy said about you, whether good or bad. Listen, let your life shine in me because you have a father. Oh, and you're the beloved sons and daughters of the Lord. And it's knowing that you're the beloved of the Lord. I've got to know you, Lord. And I recognize and perceive. And I've become acquainted with you. And I understand you. That you're the only true and living God. What are we saying? Sovereignty in the individual rests at the point. The individual rests in the sovereign. Why? Because there is no other sovereign. There is no other God. There's only one. The one true God. There is, no, there is no polytheism. There's one God in three persons. There's no other one to run to. There's no other place to go but to Him. To know Him. To know the man Jesus Christ, the one whom you have sent. Now I've glorified you down here on the earth by completing the work you've asked me to do. Now, Father, glorify me. I say, yes, sir, to the Lord. You say, yes, sir, to the Lord. You say, we salute in this service. Yes, sir. You know, yes, sir. I, I perform on what your commandments are. I don't have to ask why. Listen, the why is what stops us up. The why am I? It, it slows us down, actually. While we're here, as long as the Lord has us here, we're going to learn not to be slowed down. Well, let light break forth. Light come forth. Light break out of us. Light break out of you. Light break forth. I don't want to be stopped because I'm looking at something and an observation of something. I don't want to look at my sin and other people's sin. I don't want to look at my gifts and my abilities. I want my eyes set on you, Lord. and restore me to such majesty and honor 
in your presence as you had before the world even existed. Jesus, knowing that he came from God and was going back to the back to God, he girded himself with a towel and he washed his disciples' feet. He knew where he came from and where he was going to. He knew he was the Son of God. Well, so shall we in this hour. And we will know that we are the sons and the daughters of the King. I have manifested your name and the manifestation of the Father. Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Can you imagine such a thing? Can you imagine that you would say to someone else, when you see me, you know what you're looking at? The Father in me. There's no more inhibition between me and him. I'm loved and I'm a lover. I don't have an inhibition anymore. Wait a minute, though. But I'm very particularly made and designed by him for him. I'm not just like that person. I'm my own person in him. In this way, we don't have to be like someone else. Because he's living his life in you like he is in you. So now I don't have to go around trying to find myself because someone else has the self that I wanted because it's himself living his life in me. Now who I am and him and him and me is everything. Now the plus plus, right? The glory starts to move. Now, now it goes out and it begins to populate outside of us and someone else feels the plus plus and it excites them and they say, oh, I feel the plus plus. Who is that? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Show me the Father. Look at him. You know the enemy, he's railroading everybody on this right now. Trying to get everybody to look like everybody else and talk like everybody else and be like everybody else and no one can say anything. He's trying to shut everybody's mouth. And Jesus has got a whole other plan. I just want to incarnate myself into you and live my life through you the way that I made you. Oh, man. Get a hold of this. Don't back off. Don't let go. Say, your commandments are exceedingly broad, and every time you give me a command, I say, yes, sir. Because I know that I'm being pulled out of the realm of my own limitations. Yeah, go do that. Well, I can't do that. Do it anyways. I don't know how many days. I don't know how many times. A thousand times. Our family. It's probably thousands. Exaggeration. But Amber White on the gas take. I had to learn it this way. Go drive with no gas. I don't have it away. Don't ask anybody either. Just go. Just go. I don't know where we're going to live. Just go. I don't know how you're going to make it. I just go. Follow me. Trust me. I'll meet you along the way. Listen, get a hold of this because you'll break limitations in your family. You'll break limitations if you have children. You'll break the limitations off of them. You'll break the limitations off your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, even to a thousand generations because you said yes. Don't back off. Break ground. Break ground in the unlimited expanse of the living God. Break ground for your family. Break ground for your friends. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The plus plus. That's why Daniel, and I mentioned this last week, that's why he did three a days. 
He got so tuned into the Father. That's why Jonathan Edwards, you read his theology, it's just amazing. amazing. That's why Edwards, they said he was a mystic. He's, that man up in the, in the Northeast, he was falling out on the ground in the middle of the weeds in flower fields, completely consumed under the presence of God, while his mind's being integrated with the doctrine of God. I mean, that man wrote some of the most brilliant doctrine you'll ever even consume into your being because of his love for the Lord. 14 hours a day he gave himself to the meditation of the Lord. Give yourself to the Lord. Jesus, we give ourselves to you right now. I'm ready for the plus plus, right? How about you? Yeah. There's the plus plus. There's your plus plus. Let's come and then we're going to take plus plus together.
listen to what Jesus says in John 17. He said, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for those that you've given me, for they belong to you. I love this. He said, all things that are mine are yours. You have to get a revelation of this to get a transformation in this. That everything I have, Lord, is yours. Get a revelation of this. To not hold on to the things of this world. Jesus said, everything that I have is yours. But listen to what he says, because the revelation that all things are his, he says that all things that are yours are mine. said and I'm glorified through that through them so when I give up everything that's mine here then everything that's his is mine and in that way is the glory manifest so I'm not holding on to things we're letting them all go Listen to this revelation. And I am no more in the world. Where are you, Lord? You're right here with us. Oh, he's so heavenly minded that he's the most earthly good. I'm not in the world. This is like the most coded, most amazing scripture there. John 17, the high priestly prayer of the Lord. I'm not in the world. You're not in it. Paul said, he said, the world has nothing in me and I have nothing in the world. But Jesus is saying, I'm not even in the world. But he's right there. Oh, God, give us a revelation of this. That I'm not even here. Why? Why? I'm so caught up into my Father, me and Him. My eyes, everything is so shifted in me. I can't even think like that anymore. I'm so elevated in the heavens. I'm so with Him right now in my mindset, my thought process. I'm in Him and He's in me. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep in, keep in your name those who you've given to me, that they may be one as we are. Oh, he had such intimacy. He has such intimacy with his Father. The Father longs for this with us. Such intimacy. Such love. You're everything I ever wanted, Lord. The more everything gets thrown off and to the side, the more that he says, give this up and give that up here. The more, the more, the more, the more that he says, let go of that, let go of this. Oh my goodness, it's like glory starts to happen. I've been holding on to things, Lord. I want to let them go. 
but somebody else's impression of me, let it go. What they're going to say about me, let it go. My houses and my lands and my cars and everything and all, let it go. Oh, you're being invited into the great exchange of love. Father in me and me and the Father. Oh, into the plus plus of the glory realm of the Lord. Yes, Lord. The Lord knew this. He knew this great love. And that's why he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. path except through the broken body of the Lord. He pours sweet love. virus or vaccine you know what we need the blood you know what we need a transfusion of the glory of God this is it I need a transfusion my RNA to become just like you, Lord. I need to be recoded. You need to be recoded. We need the blood. All the precious blood that he spilled on Calvary for us now. He said this is the blood of the new. Not the blood of the old. But the blood of a brand new life which is given and poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.